Hello and welcome to Leading Off with True Blue LA. I'm Eric Steven. Uh, this is a new venture we're doing. Normally we uh, we used to have just the one podcast per week. Now we're doing uh, that plus uh, one morning episode, Monday through Friday. This is the first week we're doing it. Uh, as part of the uh, morning episodes, um, we broke off the Dodgers Rewind segment, which we've done for just about uh, every podcast, maybe about I don't know, 75% at least of those uh, weekly podcasts. We've had a Dodgers Rewind where we look back at an unheralded Dodger. Uh, we're going to break those off into their own sort of uh, standalone episodes. And today we're bringing you one. Um, unfortunately, it's someone who just passed away. It's uh, Joe Pignatano, a catcher for the Dodgers. Uh, he was a Brooklyn native. Um, made his debut for the Brooklyn Dodgers in 1957 and was the sort of the lead backup catcher to John Roseboro in the Dodgers' first three years in Los Angeles. And um, here is our Dodgers Rewind on Joe Pignatano. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll see you tomorrow. Hello, and welcome to the Dodgers Rewind. How's that sound, Eric? It it does sound pretty good and pretty weird. This is obviously usually... um, the under the umbrella of our just regular weekly podcast but now we're going to start doing um uh, one a podcast every day of the week monday through friday and this will be one of them so this is a dodgers rewind uh so yeah that's that's what we have for you um i i hate that i'm gonna i obviously don't try to do this but uh it, i don't want every dodgers rewind to be someone who just died but like sometimes that's the best way to remember a person, especially if it's like maybe someone who's like unheralded or someone who not a lot of people know about. So I think that's sort of the purpose of this. And it just ha- so happened that this week's Dodgers Rewind is someone who passed away, but who, someone who also lived a full life. Um, uh, Joe Pignatano, um, he died at age 92 on Monday. He, he was in Florida. Now, he signed with the Dodgers way back in 1948. He was a Brooklyn native. This was, you know, a full, what, 17 years before the draft. Um, so you get a lot of like local people signing that, that kind of a thing. Uh, there was obviously scouting and other places to find them, but you know, there's a lot of like local type, um, signings and he was one of them. Now, uh, in his Sabre bio, it was written by Paul Hirsch. There was a great story about how, um, how his career started. So, uh, Pignatano was a catcher. Uh, he went to Cairo in Illinois. At, he was only 18 at the time. Uh, he was three for eight in three games, but then he um, he got released um, and couldn't quite figure out why. So uh, he was in Illinois. Uh, this is from the Sabre bio. Pignatano traveled 27 hours without food since he could not cash the check. Uh, he got a, hundred, a check for $127 and he had no cash. So he, he didn't, I guess he didn't have a, a bank account or something and he couldn't cash the check. He said he was, uh, said he was sleeping in a train station in Chicago when a cop roused him and told him he couldn't sleep there. I explained that I had no money and was catching a train in the morning, said Pignatano. The police officer then took Pignatano to a hotel, p- paid for the room and made sure he would get awakened in time to make his train. Once home in Brooklyn, he explained that what had happened on the trip to his mother, Lucy. Miss Pignatano could not believe the way her boy had been treated and immediately called the Dodgers offices, spoke with Fresco Thompson, who was Brooklyn's minor league chief. Um, when she identified herself, Thompson congratulated her on how well Joe was doing. And she said he couldn't be doing that well. Uh, her name was Lucy. 
Um, he's sitting right next to me. Mrs. Pignatano related Joe's story to Thompson, who immediately asked Joe to come to Ebbets Field. So at Ebbets Field, he, uh, Pignatano worked out for some local Dodger scouts, including head scout and Hall of Famer George Sisler. At the end of the workout, Sisler asked his staff to explain why we would release this player, and nobody could. And soon he was on his way to uh, play for seven teams in seven leagues. Uh, this was his minor league stops. Cambridge, Valdosta, Asheville, Elmira, Fort Worth, St. Paul, Montreal, and eventually in the majors in Brooklyn. But yeah, so he was like um, a minor leaguer for quite a bit. He also missed two years in the military service in 1951 and 52. And he just sort of gradually um, kept inching along. Now you got to keep in mind Roy Campanella is winning three MVPs in the 50s in Brooklyn at catcher and played a lot. And so it's not like they were actively looking for someone to come up, but like, and it's hard to bring up like a younger guy um, to be a backup because you want to develop him and stuff. But at a certain point, like he, he got old, old enough to the point where how much development is, is left really. So he hit 295 in AAA in 1956 when it was in St. Paul. Uh, AAA for the Dodgers was in Montreal the next year and he hit 299 there. He finally got his call up. Um, there was also this fun story in the uh, from the Associated Press um, in spring training in 1957. Now this is before Pignatano had debuted in the majors, but um, he, I guess he doubled. And uh, so he tried the the short story version of the story is he tried to steal third with a runner already there. Um, I, I'll just read this um, from the Associated Press. Remember the Brooklyn Dodgers of say 1930. One of their favorite tricks was for one of them to steal a base already occupied by one of their mates. Rookie Joe Pignatano of the Dodgers tried it in yesterday's exhibition game with the Yankees. He was sent in as a pinch runner for Rube Walker, who had doubled home a run in the ninth inning. What confused Pignatano was that two Brooks were on base when Walker delivered the blast. Joe saw them both score, but he didn't see that Sandy Amaros was sent back to third base because of a ground rule. Pignatano broke for third. Halfway down, he realized third base was occupied by Amaros, and he stopped dead in embarrassment. He was run down, but Amaros scored the Dodgers' third run, and that's how the game ended. The Dodgers lost 4-3. to three. Um, So, yeah, fun fun rookie mistake uh, there. Um, he did finally get the call-up that year. He played in eight games in Brooklyn. Now, one of the um, sort of, I guess, highlights for guy, well, in a, as a guy from Brooklyn he caught the last five innings of the last game at Ebbets Field on September 24th, 1957. Cool. Danny McDevitt uh, pitched a shutout, so that's kind of cool. Uh, I did happen to have a baseball card of him, uh, his 1958 Topps card I'm showing you now in our little Zoom thing. Um, and they, they always have the fun, uh, the old-timey cards have the, like, cartoon-type stuff on the back. And they have, like, some fun facts, and it just it says, Joe was unusually fast for a catcher. Now, the card also says, Joe got his biggest thrill playing before his hometown friends in Brooklyn last season. This year, he's faced with a more serious assignment as Roy Campanella's replacement. The Dodgers admire his steady receiving. Now, this obviously was the transition year, so the Dodgers not only moved to Los Angeles, but Roy Campanella was in a car crash that offseason, and he got paralyzed. And it was very weird. I was trying to look up stories on this, and, man, like, I guess it... It was probably within the first few weeks after the accident, but there was a lot of like, we're not we're not sure how long Campanella is going to be out, and it was kind of heartbreaking to read some of that stuff because obviously we know the history. He never played again; he was paralyzed. But like, it seemed like it was it seemed like some of those stories were really downplaying the injury. I don't know if that was like a intentional thing um, or just like false hope or whatever. But yeah, it was like really just 
disheartening to read that. But so that that um, that year in Los Angeles, first year, Pignatano, he's 28. John Roseborough was also a rookie who debuted in 57. He was 25. Now, Gil Hodges was 34. I found some articles that were basically saying uh, they might call on Hodges to catch some games because he came up as a catcher like a decade earlier. Uh, and But he was obviously entrenched at first base at this point. He had only played after 1948 two innings of one game behind the plate, so it seemed like far-fetched. But there were like multiple articles about, well, it looks like Gil Hodges is going to catch again now. It was just very weird. He did catch part of one game in 1958, but it was like two innings at the end of a game as a reserve, so he wasn't really in the mix. Now, uh, Roseboro ended up getting the lion's share of playing time. He started 97 games behind the plate, he and he basically he locked the position down for the next 10 years um, in, in L.A., and he was, you know, he's one of the like, best Dodger catchers ever. I know, I know he didn't win MVPs and stuff, but it was he was, he was pretty great. Now, uh, Pignatano uh, started 45 games that year. The other guy was thirty, the Rube Walker, who was mentioned before, uh, 32-year-old veteran, uh, signed uh, before the year, and he started 12 games that year for the Dodgers. Pignatano was a pretty solid backup. He averaged 37 starts at catcher uh, for three years, 58 to 60. Now, he threw out 30 out of 50 runners trying to steal base, so over half. Um, pretty great, um, 60%. I looked. Uh, now, the 50s generally uh, was not a good decade for like stealing bases like just it just didn't happen that often now as the dick like maybe 59 to 60 it started like turning a little bit and obviously the 60s people started running wild um but even even in that environment like six throwing out 60 percent of the runners was excellent like nl catchers as a whole threw out 39 percent of runners so he was excellent there now roseboro with the same staff on the dodgers in that time period threw out 47 percent so pignatano was excellent at that he played one inning in the 1959 World Series, although he didn't bat. He caught the ninth inning of Game 5. Uh, Carl Farillo had pinch hit for Roseboro uh, when the Dodgers were down 1-0. They ended up uh, losing that game 1-0, but they won the series in Game 6. So Pignatano, in 181 games for the Dodgers, he had an 80 OPS+, plus, 450 plate appearances, pretty standard like backup catcher fare. Um, he was sold to the Kansas City A's in January 1961. He played six years in the majors, hit about the same, 81 OPS in his career um, overall with the A's, Giants, and Mets after the Dodgers. He coached for about 15 years, I want to say. First was the Senators, then he went to the Mets, and then later the Braves. Uh, the Braves, he went uh, after, once Joe Torre was manager, and Joe Torre started with the Mets, uh, managing-wise. So I believe he brought him over. Uh he was, uh, Pignatano was a bullpen go- coach o- uh, under Gil Hodges, his former um, teammate with the Dodgers, uh, with the Mets. And one of the sort of interesting things I found here, so I believe uh, the Mets press release said he was the last living coach of the 1969 Mets, Pignatano. I, I wrote Pignataro here in our notes because I am terrible at spelling sometimes. Um, but he coached with the Mets till 1981. Uh, this was also a fun note from the Sabre bio. Uh, this is a quote from Pignatano. In 1969, I discovered a wild tomato plant in the bullpen and nurtured it the rest of the season, he remembered. We got some tomatoes off of it, but the most, most important, we won the whole thing. After that, I kept up the garden as long as I was with the Mets as a good luck charm. So I, I discovered this because when I was looking for information about Pignatano, um, 
some of the obituaries were like, uh, you know, um, Joe Joe Pignatano, um, you know, former catcher and uh, coach who t- who like tended Tomato Garden in Mets bullpen. You know, like I was like, what? what what's going on here? Um, so you should bring that back of, the bullpen garden yeah. just generally. It is well, you know, like the Rockies at Coors Field, they have that like. Um, it's it's almost like a forest out there. Like it, it, they, yeah, there needs to be more like cool stuff like that in bullpens. I, I'm with you on that. Um, so because of the four teams that Pignatano played with, I was curious. Um, so Dodgers, A's, Giants, Mets. Now, only two players have played for those four teams. Now, I didn't do the search as only those four teams. This is just someone who played for. Those four teams and could have played for anyone else too. Mm-hmm. I'm, so I'm um, I'm not saying this other person did. So, can you name the other player? I have been thinking of this question all day. I, I'll I, I can give you the year he's with the Dodgers if you want it. Sure. Two thousand four. Just two thousand four. Yes. Well, I'm uh, Steve Finley. No, but that I mean that's a good yeah, guess just because he played for like a billion teams. Uh, he, he he did the he's the the offense Matt Hurges of playing for all five NL West teams. So. <laughs> uh, can I remember the rest? Oh, you want the you want the position? Yes, but if it doesn't come to mind, I'm just tapping out immediately. Catcher. Uh oh. Crap. Because <laughs> uh, they traded? Uh, nope, don't got it. Brett Maine. Ah, yep, yep. Yeah. Was uh, part, of Paul, Paul of, uh, part of Paul de Podesta's folly. It wasn't so much that he, it was bad that he traded the heart and soul of the team, quote unquote. In Paula Duke, it said he didn't have a backup plan when Charles Johnson didn't want to come to LA again. So yeah, he, he didn't really have an answer for catcher, and Brett Main was uh, eighteen for ninety six, and he didn't have an extra base hit with the Dodgers in forty seven games. Oh so, man, fun times! I, but uh, he also played for the Royals and Rockies in addition to those four teams. So mm-hmm. yeah. All right. Well, the, uh, I, I kind of like the the short and sweet aspect of this Dodgers rewind, but. Well, this will be its own post uh, once it's up. But, yeah, thanks for uh, listening, everybody. And we will talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.